teach me more of their beauty see wonderful words of life words of life and beauty teach me faith and duty beautiful words wonderful words wonderful words of life beautiful words wonderful words wonderful words of life Christ the blessed one gives to all wonderful words of life sinnerless to the loving call wonderful words of life also freely given wooing us to heaven beautiful words wonderful words wonderful words of life beautiful words wonderful words wonderful words of life sweetly echo the gospel call wonderful words of life offer pardon and peace to all wonderful words of life jesus only savior sanctify forever beautiful words wonderful words wonderful words of life beautiful words wonderful words wonderful words of life amen now turn to page 117 117 oh little town of bethlehem one one seven Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. O morning stars together proclaim the holy birth and praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angel.
angels the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. And just a couple pages over, 121, away in a manger, 121. Away in a manger, no crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the poor baby waits. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky. And stay by my side until morning is nigh. Amen, and you can be seated. All right, if you need a prayer list, uh, hold up your hand. We're going to try to take care of that tonight. And uh, we had 75 this morning, praise the Lord, two first-time visitors. Uh, we had baptism. We had over 115 at the, at the uh, fellowship last night. Of course, we had, uh, let's see, our church, and Iglesia Bautista, and the Great Genova then Brother Pullman, so we had four different churches there and had a great time of food and fellowship, and we had a baptism this morning. Amen. Any other praises you'd like to add to the list? Anyone at all? Yes. Good. Praise the Lord. Okay. Rita. 
Okay. Well, amen. That's what the church is, is a prayer group. Amen. Praise the Lord. We love taking names off the prayer list. Any other praises? Brother Ted? Okay. All right. All right. Any other praises? Then we'll take a few minutes for some requests. Um, does anybody here remember Tony that used to attend the church a long time ago? And um, John and Linda were involved in an automobile accident this afternoon. And unfortunately, it looks like their car is going to that big junkyard uh, down on the end of Shea Stadium or something like that. But uh, Tony's brother was the tow driver. And uh, he said, oh, I, you guys are from the church. He said, you helped my brother when he was here. Tony, if you don't know who Tony was, Tony was um, definitely one of the, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, he was, he was a person who had a lot of personal challenges. Uh, I guess that's a nice way to put it. And uh, and Tony, we tried to help Tony wherever we could. And, uh, you just never know what the Lord is doing, but uh, the tow truck driver was Tony's brother, and he's probably saved the Rivera's uh, well over $100 by making some suggestions today, and it's actually sitting in Mr. Kim's driveway, and it's not costing anybody anything. So, I mean, that's how the Lord works, amen, he, even in difficult situations. So we need to pray for the Rivera's, but praise the Lord, no one was hurt. And the only thing that was damaged was things that can either be thrown away or repaired, amen. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. All right, anyone else? Then let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can just bring praises to your name. We thank you for the testimonies. We're thankful that even in the situation of an accident, uh, you've already prepared the hearts of uh, the tow truck driver and, and all of these things that, Lord, we can see your hand caring for us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities to witness and the testimonies that have been given and the good service and Lord the special time of fellowship around the Christmas holidays last night and Lord being able to share the fellowship with different churches in different languages and Lord we just thank you for your goodness and your love in Jesus name we pray amen now because brother Clayton's here we're going to take just a moment and go through the prayer request and then ask you to take your prayer list home and pray over it this week want you to keep Brother George and his family in prayer. He's headed out to the Philippines uh, tomorrow. The, his mother passed away. And uh, I got a hold of uh, Teddy Kutras tonight. Uh, 
his mother passed away this this week. Um, he, he did not call us or tell us anything. The funeral was actually on Friday, uh, but he said uh, everything is uh, uh, working together there. So keep the Kutars family in prayer, and then the Rivera's uh, under special. You never know what uh, you're going to be praying for, and also. Um, if you could uh, keep Rowena in prayer under job, she's actually gotten a job offering at a different place. It would mean a lot more freedom in her schedule to be here at services and things. But uh, they said she want they want her to start work tomorrow, and she's got to be honest with her present employer and give the two weeks notice and all of that. So you just pray that God works that situation out for Rowena, and then. Um, Under special, you also see Candy. Keep her in prayer. Uh, there are some uh, very serious changes happening in, in her situation. Um, we sent a, the place where she's staying. Uh, I haven't been able to really discuss this with Candy, so uh, please let me talk to Candy. But just pray for her. There's some changes going on there. And... Um, the judge has actually made a ruling, but it's being rented. And so we, uh, I sent a letter to the judge and told of the situation. And so hopefully that thing will be taken care of this coming week. Uh, so just, uh, just pray for that situation there, if you would. There's a lot of things happening there. All right. Any other prayer requests that aren't on the list? course, if you have a prayer request you want put on the list, make sure you get one of those green cards. They will be back out on the table in the lobby. And uh, keep the Rivera family in prayer, if you would, as they try to figure out some type of transportation. And uh, I think that's everything there. And so please take your list home, pray over these things, and uh, we'll back together again next week and be able to share some answered prayers again. Amen. All right, Brother Franz, come and lead us in a song. All right, let's stand. Turn to page 531. 531, I know whom I have believed. Why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why Christ in his boundless love redeemed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word brought peace within my heart. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not how the Spirit moves convincing men of 
of sin, revealing Jesus through the word, creating faith in him. But I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not when my Lord may come at night or noonday there, nor if I'll walk the veil with him or meet him in the air. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able that which I've committed unto him against that day. Amen, and you can be seated. And again, we're glad to have Brother Larry Clayton with us. We're just going to get out of the way and let Brother Clayton preach at us. All right, the service is yours. like to give preachers the freedom to do what they do best, and that's preach. Amen? Well, it's a quite a nice night tonight. We thank the Lord for all those good songs we sung. Amen? And uh, especially the last one about looking forward to the... Uh, coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles, if you would please, with me tonight to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Now, 2 Timothy is a special book to me. I, I really love it. I love to preach out of it. And it's a, it's a book that's uh, a little different than the other little books in the New Testament. Most of the little books in the New Testament are written from a man of God to a church or to a group of churches. But first and second Timothy is the uh, message from a preacher to young preachers. And uh, so it's got a very special meaning to any preacher because there are so many good instructions in this portion of Scripture. Now, second Timothy kind of starts out with uh, Paul talking to Timothy, Paul the apostle, the old preacher, talking to Timothy, the young preacher, and he reminds him that uh, in the first chapter that uh, he's praying for him and praying for his success. I've often said that uh, it'd be a wonderful thing to have Paul the Apostle praying for you, wouldn't it? Well, Timothy did have, and, uh, and he uh, talked to him very personally. And in the second chapter, he calls him his son. That means that he was a son in the ministry. Uh, not that he was uh, a result of some illicit, illicit relationship with Paul and some woman, but he was a son in the ministry. And uh, in that second chapter, he tells him what to be. And I, I've preached on this, I think, maybe even here. In verse 3, he tells him to be a good soldier. And we ought to be a good soldier for the Lord. And... Uh, in uh, verse, uh, verse number uh, 9, he tells him to be a good sufferer, uh, suffer affliction if, if necessary or trouble. 
And then he tells him in verse 15 to be a good student, to study to show thyself approved unto God. Verse 16 tells him to shun uh, profane and vain babblings. And uh, it gives a good instruction here to him in this whole chapter. But in verse 20 and 21, he kind of gives an illustration of what he's talking about. So oftentimes the Bible will give us a lesson and then give us an example of what it's talking about. And sometimes, as in the book of John, uh, Jesus gives the example by doing some miracle and then uh, telling the people after the miracle is over in the same chapter about his relationship with the Father and gives instructions about how Christians ought to act. And here in this portion of Scripture, he gives, uh, he gives these, uh, these uh, uh, instructions, and then in verse 20 and 21, he uses a vessel like a container to illustrate what he is talking to Timothy about. And he says this, But in a great house, that's a big house or a, a mansion, in a great house, there are many. Uh, there are no, uh, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood, uh, of earth, and of some to honor and to some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Now, what he's talking about here is he's giving Timothy all these instructions. And then he is saying to Timothy, you know, in a great big mansion or in a very expensive house, there are vessels. Now, we would, we would say today containers. And those containers are used in each one in a very particular way. Now, I'm a farm boy. I came from the farm. And on the farm, you have many vessels that you use for various projects. I remember an old uh, sauerkraut crock that we had on the farm. It was a great big old crock, about that big around and about that tall. Very thick, it was uh, uh, a crock. And it was round and straight up and down. And uh, in the, uh, in the uh, summertime, my mama would say to me, now go down in the basement or down in the cellar. We, we didn't have a basement, we had a cellar. So you go down in the cellar and you bring the crock up, we're going to make sauerkraut. Well, I'd bring that old crock up, very heavy, extremely heavy, and uh, I'd, I'd bring it up and we'd get it up there on the back porch and my mother would wash it out because there'd be all kind of things in there. You know, there'd be some dead flies and some spider webs and uh, you didn't want that in your sauerkraut. You know what I mean? And... Uh, and so Mama would wash it out. And oh, she'd just scrub that, that old crock and, and use hot water on it and get it all cleaned up. And then we had a, uh, looked like a board with a, with a sharp uh, edge on it. We'd set that and we'd take that cabbage and run over that and that would, uh, that would slice the cabbage. It would fall down in there and we'd put, put salt on it. And then we would store it away and that would turn into sauerkraut. You like sauerkraut? Well, I love sauerkraut, and uh, it's all, something I've eaten all my life, so since those days when I was a boy, you know, making that crowd, I've always liked it. And a lot of people don't, but I do. 
And we would make sauerkraut in that big old vessel. It was a container. It was made especially for the sauerkraut. We had a lot of other containers. We had a big old thick skillet my mother cooked on in the stove. It was a cast iron, big old cast iron skillet, and it would set on the wood stove, and Mama would put hog lard in it. Now, we, today we use all kind of vegetable oils, Crisco and all that, but we used hog lard in those days. We didn't have any Crisco. Didn't have any vegetable oil. And uh, she'd put hog lard in there, and she'd take chicken and roll it in flour and put it in that skillet and fry it. Man, that was good, good, good fried chicken. And uh, I, I'm starting to, uh, to swallow here tonight thinking about Mama's good fried chicken. Well, that was a vessel that Mom used. We had a churn on the farm that uh, was a clear glass jar like this. And it had uh, some, uh, uh, on the lid, it had some uh, gears and a crank. And we'd pour the cream in there from the cow, and uh, you don't want to get cream now from the cow, you get it from the refrigerator, but we got ours from the cow, and we poured the cream in there, and we cranked that, and those paddles in there would flop around like that and paddle that cream, and the butter in the cream would start gathering together, and that's the way we'd get butter. And uh, then what was left after the butter was gathered out was buttermilk, and it was delicious. It's not like the buttermilk you get today, which is nothing more than sour milk. Ours was really buttermilk. And that was a, that was a churn, a big old sauerkraut uh, crock, uh, a, a churn, a skillet. Uh, Mama had some, uh, some vessels uh, uh, for the flowers. We call them vases. Uh, if uh, they cost a lot of money, they call them vases. But uh, ours were cheap, you know. Mama bought them at a farm auction, like a garage sale for probably a nickel. And she would put those uh, flowers down in that vase. And uh, it, it was sitting there. We had, a, we had on the stove a uh, coffee pot. Great big old coffee pot. and set on the wood stove. You know, we didn't have a gas stove. It was fired up by wood. And we'd put the wood in there and set it on fire. And uh, early in the morning, my mama would get up and she'd take that uh, coffee pot and she'd put coffee in there and she'd let that water run down through that coffee and boil on that stove and, oh, it just filled that old farmhouse with the smell of coffee. It never has tasted as, as good as it smells. But it's nice to have a good cup of coffee and that coffee was strong. I mean, really strong. And it would boil on that stove. And uh, it would taste more like Turkish coffee than it did uh, a 7-Eleven coffee or whatever it is. But anyhow, we had these vessels on the farm. I even remember a, a cough syrup bottle, a little bottle about that high that had cough syrup in it. And you'd get a cough, you'd take a little of that syrup, and it would help with that cough. My uncle carried one in the back of his pocket, and he would, <coughs> like that, and he'd pull that cough syrup bottle out, take a little drink of that what he had in the cough syrup. Well, we found out uh, later that it wasn't cough syrup, it was whiskey in that little bottle he had in the back of his pocket. And the cough was a fake in order to get a little swallow whiskey. <laughs> and uh, that, that's, a, that's a cough syrup bottle. We had Sloan's liniment on the farm. And uh, we used that Sloan's liniment as medicine. I don't know how you'd sign, uh, 
a signed liniment, but that's what we had on the farm, Sloan's liniment. That was a powerful stuff, you know. You just pat it on. You wouldn't rub it. If you rubbed it, it would blister you wherever you put that. And it was supposed to be for uh, uh, muscle aches and pains and joints and arthritis. We used it for everything. We poured it on the cows. Uh, we used it on the chickens. Uh, we used it on Grandpa. Uh, we used it everywhere on the farm, you know. Sloan's liniment. I even took an old rooster one time and held his head back like that and poured a bunch of Sloan's liniment down him. It ran him nuts. He was nuts from then on. He'd crow at midnight and he'd walk around with his head straight up in the air and his tail straight down. He was crazy from then on. And it was a lot of fun on the farm to see that old rooster. But I did it with Sloan's liniment. And Sloan's liniment jar is about that big. If you ever find one, you ought to buy it because it's a good antique. Sloan's liniment jar. Uh, all these various kind of vessels we, we had on the farm. Now, Paul the Apostle is talking about vessels here uh, uh, like that, and he's talking about good vessels and bad vessels. <laughs> now, we had all these vessels. We had a place on the farm, a, a, a pantry, we call it, uh, where Mama would take all the vegetables and the meat, and she would can it. We didn't have any refrigeration, so uh, she'd have to can it. And she'd put all these canned jars in that, uh, in that pantry. It was a, a little closet and had shelves in it. And she'd just get that uh, pantry full of all kinds of canned uh, meats and vegetables because our family were going to have to eat all winter out of that. And then there was other families that she was going to feed. She knew the Lord was going to bring somebody by that she could feed. So she had a... We worked all summer getting all that pantry full of good food. Those are jars. They're, they're, uh, you probably have seen them. Ball can jars. And, uh, and we had all of that on the farm. But at the end of the table, between the table and the cook stove, there was a five-gallon bucket. You know what that five-gallon bucket was? It was a slop bucket. All the stuff they raked off the plates, all the stuff that was no good and be thrown away, went in that slop bucket. And we fed that to the pigs. That was, that was pig food. All these nice jars and all these nice vessels, but down at the end of the table, there was the slop bucket. Now, all of these things were necessary. But if I were going to be a vessel on the farm, I'd rather be a, I'd rather be a skillet or, or, a, or, a, or a, a crock or a, or a churn jar or any of those things more than I would be a slop bucket. Because that's where the flies went, down in that slop bucket. And that's where, that's where all the junk of the whole kitchen went, in that slop bucket. You know, we didn't have any washer, uh, uh, dishwashers. Uh, <coughs> us kids were the dishwashers, you know what I mean? And uh, we didn't have any garbage disposal, but we kept it all in that slop bucket. Now, Paul here is talking about vessels, and he likens the Christian life under certain vessels. He said there are some of them to honor, like the little... Uh, little vase that had the flowers in it. it was a special, beautiful little thing. Mama, Mama got the prettiest one that she could get because that went along with the flowers. And there are some to honor, and there are some 
to dishonor. Uh, all are used, but some are used better than others. And what he is talking about here is like the Christian life. God likes for us to be clean vessels. God wants us to be beautiful vessels. God wants us to be vessels of honor and of service to the Lord. Now here in this portion of Scripture, Paul talks about some people of dishonor. Look, if you would please, in this same portion of Scripture at uh, chapter 1, and it talks about uh, some people. Uh, in verse number 15, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia are turned away from me. Now, Paul the Apostle was writing to Timothy and telling him what to do and what to be, to be a Christian and live for the Lord. But he said there are some in Asia that are turned away. What are you saying here? This bunch is a vessel of dishonor. But right in verse 16, he talks about Onesiphorus, uh, which refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. So uh, that's an honor, a vessel of dishonor, and then a vessel of honor. Notice, if you would please, in, uh, in uh, chapter 2 and verse 17, uh, speaking about some people, he says, Their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus. These people were people that were, uh, were, were using words and, uh, and conversation to hurt the work of God. And he would say to them, You're a vessel of dishonor. And uh, then it goes on in verse 18, of whom concerning the truth of herbs. They have erred away from the truth. They've gone away from the truth of the gospel. But in verse 19, he said, Nevertheless, the foundation of God is sure. Even though some of these people are vessels of dishonor, thank the Lord for those who stand on a sure foundation of Jesus Christ. In, uh, ver in chapter 3 and verse number 8, uh, well, in verse number 7, it talks about some people ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Jannes and Jambres withstood Moses, so these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. That's a, that's a person of dishonor. Uh, they're, they're, what they do there is dishonoring the Lord. But in... Uh, but in uh, number 10, verse 10, it says, But thou hast uh, fully known my doctrine. But you, Timothy, you're a vessel of honor. Now, in uh, let's see, in chapter 4 and uh, verse number 10, For Demas has forsaken me and loved the present world and is departed. He's saying, here's a man of dishonor because he, he's left the work of the Lord. And he loves the present world more than he loves God. And he departed from the work of the Lord and left them. But in verse 11, Luke is with me, only Luke is with me. And, but Luke was with him. You see, that's a, that's a man of honor. Uh, first, a man of dishonor. Second, a man of honor. And then in uh, uh, chapter uh, number 4 and uh, verse number 14, Alexander the coppersmith did mean much evil. He is a man of dishonor. And uh, in verse 15, the last few words there says, 
that he withstood our words. He was opposing Paul. But in in verse 17, it says, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. You see, these men that he's mentioned are men of dishonor. They're like a vessel of dishonor. Uh, One that uh, would not be uh, uh, nice to enjoy. And I'm sure that God looks upon us as vessels. And and maybe he uh, would uh, want us to be clean and pure. But these men were not. There's a lot of people that are uh, contrary to the work of the Lord and contrary to the uh, service of God. And Paul says, they're like a vessel of dishonor. I used to take that slop bucket. After every meal, I'd take it out of the house because uh, it wouldn't be long until that slop bucket would start to stink because it had all that food. Now, my mama was a good cook, and she'd cook all this good food. There would be biscuits, and there would be... uh, some ham, fried ham, and in the morning, eggs, and uh, some good beans, and cornbread, and uh, milk. We always had milk. We had cows, and my dad would bring home uh, from the barn some milk, and uh, we'd put it in the spring. We had a spring on the farm that was cool, and we'd keep our milk cool in the summertime there. In the wintertime, we'd just set it by the door because it was cold enough by the door to keep it, but... Uh, we would have all that good milk and all that good food. But uh, whenever we got through, we'd just mix it and throw it in the slop, and it, it wasn't good anymore at all. You know, there's a lot of people like that. Their lives really count for God. They're beautiful. Uh, they're, uh, they're pleasant to the Lord. They're, they're people that God can enjoy and God can bless. And uh, sometimes they get contrary and away from God. They let... They let little, little things come along to uh, get their attention off of the Lord and get them away from God and away from the church and away from the good things of God. Now, let me tell you that that's the possibility of any of us here tonight. Any of us can get caught into that. I, I mean, I'm pointing at myself here tonight as well as anyone else here tonight. You know, we've all got to work at this thing about serving God and putting Him first in our lives. And it's something we have to work at every day. And it's something we have to work at all of our lives. You know, there are some people that are good for God for uh, a few months. They come to church and they hear the gospel and they get saved and they get excited about the things of God and they get involved. And and you'd think, boy, now they're really going to do something. But somehow along the way, uh, problems or trials or temptations come or they just get bored with it all and they just quit. There are some people that come and get saved, get into the church, they get busy for God and they'll last for several years and then uh, after several years they'll, uh, they'll think that their job in the church is uh, minimal and they'll uh, discount it and they'll get involved, excited about some other things uh, that uh, may be available to them for entertainment. And instead of uh, staying in the church and being there every service and supporting the church, they, they, they fall away. And uh, there, there are some like that. There are others that come to church and maybe they'll work for years. And uh, all of a sudden in their lives, I mean, after many years of service to God, I've known many like that that started with me way back in the 50s and started serving the Lord and working for the Lord. But uh, as they get older, they start losing interest and 
Something comes along to keep them. Maybe a sin or a temptation, and they fall away. I'd hate to ever be considered a vessel of dishonor. I don't want to be a slot bucket. I don't want, I don't want the trash of this world in me. I want to keep my life straight and clean. Lois and I have served the Lord together for 50 years. We started uh, back in Bible college 50 years ago, serving the Lord together. And we worked together at this thing. And, and I tell you, we've had temptations. And we've had trials just like everybody else. But, uh, you know, it's a matter of choice. I just don't want to be a slob bucket. How about you? I, I'd like to be a vessel of honor. I'd like to be a vessel that's pure and clean and good and wholesome and nice. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to be filled full of flies. And I don't want to be filled for, full of slop that, that's ready for the pigs. I want God to use me. I want to be clean. I want to be pure. Isn't that the desire of all of our hearts, amen? That's what we want to be. That's what we want to do. We want to be a vessel of honor. Now, Paul is talking about that here. And he talks about our vessel of honor and how that we can, uh, we can glorify the Lord with our lives. Now, the Bible does talk about some who was uh, involved in some bad stuff and uh, they got saved. And uh, look, if you would please, with me to Second uh, Corinthians. Look at chapter 6. And it talks about um, some that were vessels of dishonor and ugliness, but something happened to them. Know ye not, in verse number 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you know where 1 Corinthians is, chapter 6 and verse number 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, 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 nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's a pretty bad description of a lot of ugly, dirty junk inside of vessels, don't you think? But now listen what Paul says to the Corinthian church. And such were some of you. That's the way some of you lived your lives. And of course, the church at Corinth was a, a hotbed of wickedness. That town was a violent, wicked town. You could go there even today and see some of the places where uh, sin abounded in that city. It was a wicked city. It was, uh, it was a, a, a normal to do all the things that he mentioned here among the population of that city. But he says, such were some of you. You were that way, but ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. God said, once you were dirty and you were filled full of these things that are listed here, but you've been washed. You've been clean. On the farm when I was a boy, we a lot of times didn't have electricity. So we would have kerosene lamps. And uh, there's all kinds of little kerosene lamps. In Haiti, they have a little, they call it peaty peaty lamp. It's a little tiny thing about that big around, and it's full of uh, oil, and, and out of the spout, it looks like a little teapot. 
out of the spout is there's a little wick, and they pull that out and light it, and that burns and lights and fills a house full of a little bit of light, not much, but a little bit. In some places they have, uh, have other kind of lamps, kerosene lamps, but ours was a, was a bulb about that big. It had a pedestal on it, and, and it had a, a place where the wick came through, and then it had a globe on it. And that globe came up there, a, a, a glass, clear glass globe that came up there. And inside that globe was where the fire was that gave, light, gave out light. Now, sometimes that globe would get full of smoke and would get clouded with soot. And I can remember my mother taking the globe off the lamp when I was a boy. And she had a real soft, uh, uh, what is it, uh, flannel cloth, white flannel cloth. And she would take that white flannel cloth and reach up in there and wipe that globe clean. I mean, it was no good if it was had a lot of soot on it. If it had a lot of carbon on it, you couldn't see the light. No light would come through. So she'd have to clean it. And she would wipe that and clean it all up. And uh, she'd set it back on there. And then the light would fill the house. Because the globe was clean. And like any of the vessels on the farm, they'd have to be scrubbed out and washed out in order to be used and constantly get cleansed so that we wouldn't have any bacteria or fungus or whatever. That green stuff grows inside the stuff, inside the refrigerator. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, she would have to be cleaning all the time the vessels on the farm. Now, God says some people are vessels of dishonor, but with a real cleansing, they can become vessels of honor. For such were some of you, but now you're clean. Well, I thank God for Jesus and His cleansing power, don't you? He cleanses us and cleans us up and washes out the soot so the light of the glorious gospel of Christ can shine through our lives. I thank God for the cleansing, the cleansing of the vessels. We would sometimes, uh, when we started canning and getting the, the jars ready for the food that we were going to can in them, uh, Mama would have a great big... Uh, 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 great big wash tub full of uh, hot soapy water. We'd take those cans in there and wash them clean. And then she would put them in a great big pan and she would boil them so that there wouldn't be any, any kind of uh, bacteria living in there so that we could can it and, and the food would stay uh, fresh inside those cans. It was a cleansing process. Boy, God has a, has a great means of cleansing, does he not? And he gets us clean so he can use us. And we won't spoil. And that's some of the process of, uh, of cleaning up the vessels. And a lot of times we, we need to be cleansed, do we not? In fact, we all of us need to be cleansed every day and purified so that we can be a vessel that's usable for God. Uh, we need to be cleansed every morning. We need to get started the day outright every day for the Lord in prayer and Bible study and those things which clean up our minds and clean up our hearts and clean up our lives so that we can be vessels of honor, vessels to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. We are vessels, all of us. And we are containing 
something. All of us are. And uh, we're full, sometimes full of ourselves, sometimes full of uh, ugliness. But we want to be full of the Spirit of God and to be used of God in a very special way. In fact, the matter is, God likens us unto uh, cups. In fact, if you look at Mark chapter 9, it speaks there about, about that. Mark chapter 9 and uh, verse number 41. Mark chapter 9, verse number 41. This is what it says. For whosoever shall give, uh, for whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in the name of the in my name, because ye are uh, belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. It speaks about someone uh, giving us a cup, just a cup of water in the name of the Lord. Well, we are, to be, we are to be those that are giving out the cups of water and cups of blessing. Say, Brother Clayton, how can we do this? Well, we can do this by praying. We've got a prayer sheet there. We believe that God answers prayer, does He not? One of the best ways we can help people, one of the best ways we can be a vessel uh, pouring out good things to people is by praying for them. Boy, how oftentimes we see God answering prayers in a special way. And if it were not for those that were praying, I'm sure that there would be a lot of people in greater trouble uh, than, uh, than they are. But people are praying, and God answers prayer. I remember the story of a, of a great missionary who had great success. And... Uh, some of those that were around him, missionaries like him, they were not having great success. And they, somebody said, how can, how can this missionary have this great success? And somebody said, there's a secret that you don't know. They said, what is that? They said, well, back in England, he has a sister. She's a spastic. She has to be laid on a special pillow, a down pillow, full of feathers, because she gets terrible bed sores. They have to tie her hands to keep her hands from gouging out her eyes. She's a spastic, but she's a Christian. And she only sleeps just little certain times of the day. That's all. She's not able to sleep at night at all. And she gets long letters from that brother of hers, the missionary. Sometimes five-page letters every day explaining to her what to pray for. And said, all she does every day, lay there in pain and cry out to God for her brother that he might be a success and that God might bless him. They said, that's the secret. He has somebody back there at home praying for him. And that's why he's a success while others are not. I believe that's true. I often try to get people to pray for me. Wherever we go, we ask people to pray for us. Lois and I publish a letter every month asking people to pray for us. A man recently wrote me a letter and said that they couldn't support our program anymore. And I said, well, I'm going to continue to send your letter because we can get along without your people's money, but we cannot survive without their prayers. And so oftentimes in, in perilous situations or in problem situations, my wife and I have been able to succeed and to be able to survive, and I believe it's because people pray for us. 
I believe that prayer is one of those ways of giving out a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord. I believe by giving sacrificially, giving to the Lord's work, we find that the work of God goes forth. And that's a cup of cold water. By being faithful in the missionary program or being faithful in the tithe and faithful in supporting the church. You know, it was C.T. Studd, who was England's greatest athlete at one time, and he was making big money like, uh, like that pitcher that just came back to the Yankees. You know, he's going to make $16 million this year. For just one year, they're going to pay that guy $16 million. What was his name? I can't think of it right now. But uh, Pettit. Now, Pettit's coming back to the Yankees, and they're going to pay him $16 million for pitching one year. Maybe that'd be probably about a million dollars a game. You imagine? Because he probably won't pitch more than 16 games. I don't know. But uh, that's a lot of money. But, uh, you know, money does, uh, money is involved in the work of the Lord. Not that God has to have money, but God wants us to be faithful with our money. And C.T. Studd was the greatest uh, athlete in all of England. And God called him, God saved him, and God called him to the mission field. And he had all this money. Now, what's he going to do with his money? He got a hold of D.L. Moody and gave all of his money to Moody to help him start the Moody Bible Institute. And out of the Moody Bible Institute, of course, came missionaries that spanned the globe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was a pretty good investment, don't you think, of C.T. Studd's a great wealth that he had to put it into a Bible college, into a training of preachers, into a ministry like that. Hey, listen, that's a cup of cold water. He gave that in the name of the Lord. How about helping people and working with people and, and doing the work of God and, and training others to get involved in the work of the Lord? I've always been asking God to let me be a, a trainer of other men, an encourager. Get involved in lifting up others and helping them along the way. We've taken a lot of groups to mission fields. And every time we've taken a group to mission fields, we've ended up somehow with somebody out of that group or maybe more than one to be a missionary. I think about a group that we took to Mexico. Years ago, we came back and a young man and his wife surrendered their lives to be missionaries. And now they're missionaries to Canada. They've been workers in other places, but now they're missionaries to Canada. We took another group to Mexico. And out of that group came a young man and his fiancée. They're married now and got him a baby. And they're going to Honduras as missionaries. I think about a trip that we took to Haiti. And uh, the most unlikely ordinary guy in the whole bunch surrenders his life to be a missionary. And now he's been a missionary to Haiti for a lot of years and now he's in the Dominican Republic, and I got an email the other day from him, and it said, uh, Brother Clayton, we're, we're, we're building the second church now that we've been involved in and, uh, down in the Dominican Republic. You know, whenever you involve yourself in the lives of others and you help them and encourage them, you find yourself giving, being a vessel, uh, uh, giving out good things to other people. I want to be a vessel that's used of God and blessed of God. I don't want to be the garbage pail at the end of the table. Amen? I don't want to be that 
full of that junk. I don't want the world to fill me. I want to be a vessel of honor for the Lord. You know, that's what church is all about. That's what serving God is all about. We have an opportunity for God to clean us and use us for His honor and for His glory. Let's bow our heads in prayer. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed here tonight, I want us in a moment, I want us to sing. I don't have a songbook. Why don't you give me a book there, please? All right, thank you. In a moment, I want us to sing together. But before we sing tonight, I'm going to just ask you a question or two. Did God speak to you about something tonight? Maybe God, through this message, uh, reached down with His conviction and spoke to your heart tonight and said something very special to you that maybe uh, no one else could say. And uh, maybe He did it in such a way that it would be very private and very personal. Did He do that? Maybe tonight we ought to talk to him about that. And uh, maybe there's things in your life that ought to be cleansed and purified for God's service. You know, I believe in uh, decisions that are made in the pews. Uh, I don't discount that. I've made a lot of decisions hearing a preacher preach myself sitting in a pew. But I think there's some that ought to be, ought to be settled at the altar. Maybe God has spoken to you tonight about coming to this altar and praying about something in your life that ought to be cleansed, that you want to be a vessel of honor for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask Julia to play that old song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after Thy will while I'm waiting. She plays that tonight. I want us to stand together. And I want us to come to this altar tonight and talk to the Lord about something maybe God has spoken to your heart about.